This podcast is recorded and produced on the unceded lands of the Darkinyung people, and I acknowledge them as the traditional owners. This is Mother Other with Amy Pearson. Hello and welcome to another episode of Mother Other. Today's guest is Sophie Walker, founder of one of the most popular podcasts in the country, Australian Birth Stories, which I'm going to assume that every one of you has listened to. Recently, Australian Birth Stories clocked over 5 million downloads. Sophie and I delve into her motherhood journey along with her freelance business journey, how she manages her work and life balance or juggle with the booming business and the ever-expanding world of podcasting. Interestingly, I have actually been interviewed by Sophie for her podcast, Australian Birth Stories, in which I discuss the births of my two children, Dorian and Banksia. I have to say, now I understand what it feels like to be interviewed for a podcast. I've always been on the editing side, and so I've never really felt uncomfortable about what I say on my podcast. So I'm a bit nervous about how vulnerable I was and how much of my story I shared, but I think the best thing about Sophie's podcast is that it is so truthful and honest and these people are telling their stories exactly how it happened and exactly how they remembered it and it's free of judgment it's there's no one right way to talk about birth everybody's birth experience is different everybody's birth story is different and I think the beauty of it is that we have our own stories and comparing them is pointless because The way one person births is not the way another person births. My birth story will be released with Australian birth stories in the next few weeks, so keep your eye out and subscribe to Sophie's channel. Chatting with Sophie felt like chatting with a friend. I've heard her voice so much over the years that I've consumed her content, so this was a really enjoyable and comfortable conversation, and I hope it feels just as comfy for you. Please note that the first 10 minutes is not recorded correctly on my end. I had a bit of a postpartum brain mush experience and I forgot to record the first 10 minutes so I had to use a backup recording but then it goes back to the normal mic so all is well for most of the conversation. All right let's dive right in. Here's Sophie now. Welcome. So glad to have you on the show. (laughs) Thanks so much for having me. My pleasure. Do you want to start us off by telling us who you're a mum to? Yep, I've got three little boys. My eldest is Nico or Nick, we often call him. Um, He's seven. And then my middle son is Louis and he's five. And then my youngest is Otty or Otto and he's two. Beautiful. He's about the same age as my first. I liked following your journey on Insta and stuff because it was always happening around the same time. I think you weaned around the same time. So I was watching your journey then too. Yes, that's right. That was tough. Was it tough for you? It ended up being easier than I thought, although we're weaned, but he still has to have his hand down my shirt and check that I've still got boobies and (laughs) hold my nipples. So we like, there's no milk, but there's still a lot of boob action. (laughs) Oh, that's so cute. It's funny because I think I would have definitely been open to all of that and Dory would have loved to be able to stay connected that way. But I just, by the end of my pregnancy, I was like, I can't have him touching me. I just felt so, I wanted my own body back. It was very strange. So 
Do you want to talk to me about who you were as a working woman before your descent into motherhood for the first time? So um, my background is public health and I completed my master's of public health and sort of submitted my last assignment at about 36 or 37 weeks pregnant with Nico. So um, I just scraped through there and I was working in um, cancer research, breast cancer research mostly at the Cancer Council and then um, and also at Peter Mac before having my babies yeah mm, interesting so you were very involved in a career yeah I was yeah I was working full-time and we'd lived overseas for we lived in London for about three years before I came home and did my master's so um yeah well we sort of had had our fun and we were ready to kind of settle down I think yeah right so you were sort of always planning on becoming a mum yeah I sort of surprised that I never ended up being a midwife straight out of school I've always loved babies and been really interested and then um yeah, I did an arts degree for some reason. I'm not sure why. Um, and then I probably should have done nursing. But yeah, so I've always just had a keen interest and then sort of strange turn of events. So I've always in, been interested in births and stuff. And then I think when I was pregnant with my first, I just completely immersed myself in that world. But it wasn't until I had my second little boy, Louis, that I started the podcast. Mm, okay, I was going to ask you that too. And what was it that connected you so much to birthing and motherhood do you think were there any influences growing up that sort of impacted that or I think it was just sort of naturally just instinctively in me I just was always the first to ask to hold the baby even sort of at the age of six I think I was always wow. keen to get in there yeah yeah that's um, so sweet my mum's background she's a nurse and a psychologist now and um, she sort of raised us on her own from I was two, I think, when they separated. So I've kind of had a strong female role model who's worked in the healthcare industry. So I don't know if that kind of shaped things as well. Mm, interesting. And then conceiving your first, was that an easy process? How did you feel about that um, emotionally? And Yeah, it was funny. Um, I know now having interviewed so many women that it can be so challenging for so many people, but it was, I think it was literally the first month of trying. Um, so I've got a pretty consistent cycle and I was aware of the, my fertile window. Um, we were actually living at my mum's at the time. So it was kind of funny. My husband, so I was just finishing study and my husband was um, finishing his postgrad studies to be a teacher. So we'd moved back to my mum's house to just save some money and concentrate on that. And so it was kind of not very good timing, but, um, and we hadn't gotten, we're since married, but we weren't married at the time. And um, yeah, it was sort of a bit of a shock because I was prepared for it to take maybe six months. So we thought we'll just start trying. So then it was pretty comical. It was sort of gags about the fact that I was pregnant living at home with my boyfriend. So um, my mum was wanting to sell her house and she said, oh, well, we can't just kick you out of the house pregnant. So we'll sell a little bit further down the track. So we ended up staying there for my whole pregnancy and the first um, three months of my little boy's life we lived at home with my parents so we had heaps of support in that first postpartum period. Do you think that that was a positive impact on your experience or negative because I think it could go either way. For sure. Yeah, I'm very close to my mum. So it was definitely positive. And they they love babies too, particularly my stepdad is just like mad about babies and really, really good with them. So they were almost itching and waiting outside our bedroom door in the morning to hear us get up so they could hold the baby. And then so I could go and have a shower and they just like coot and guard over the baby in their bed in the morning. So yeah, it was pretty special time. And they've got an incredible bond with my eldest son because they had all of that time. And I, I mean, his birth really didn't go to plan. It was quite sort of traumatic and I'd had a hemorrhage. So I came back to their house from 
the hospital feeling really um, vulnerable and stuff. And I think, yeah, it could have been quite different if I'd gone home to my own house. I think my mum sort of cooked all my meals and at one stage I was breastfeeding and she was literally feeding me um, roast dinner. So, yeah, it was very, yeah, it was challenging and then very special to have that support. Yeah, that's amazing. I think it would depend on your relationship with your parents. You obviously have a very good one and also their sort of self-awareness. I think that's also a major thing when it comes to postpartum. So it sounds like you got the uh the good the good side of that and your partner has obviously got a good relationship with them too it sounds yeah yep he's very close um my partner's from Fiji so his parents don't live in Australia so we just have my parents as immediate family mm-hmm. and um they get along really well which is um yeah he's very easygoing so he was happy to stay there so yeah we were fortunate and I think he I think he really enjoyed having that extra support took the pressure off him getting it right all the time because yeah. they're sort of adults to help support me yeah and there's so much you don't know hey in the very beginning even if you are around other babies when it's your first it's nice to have someone that isn't sort of pushing their ideas onto you and their the way they do things onto you but also is very supportive and helpful did you question how much motherhood would impact your career especially considering you had such a blossoming career yeah I don't think I'd really thought too much about how I'd integrate the two to be honest I um I think I just thought I'll see how I go and um, financially, we definitely needed me to go back to work at some stage. So we didn't have that luxury. I think because we'd spent three years traveling, it felt like a lot of our friends had stayed in Australia and worked at both sort of had two strong incomes and saved for a house. And we kind of came back with nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, so we were just going to rent, which we did in the end. So we moved out at when Nico was three months and rented. And um, I had sort of the government 18 weeks pay and things, but I think it got to, I think when Nico was nine months, um, I went back to work two days a week. And my, again, so lucky, my parents used to come to our house and mind my little boy and I was still breastfeeding then. So I'd express milk and leave him there and um, go to work for two days a week and come back. So yeah, very, very lucky. Mm. I'm finally feeling that support this time because I'm so close to my parents now living so close to them um and the first time as you probably know from me sharing a lot um yeah we had no family around so it was really 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 tough and now I have two kids so it's a lot harder but I am able to for example right now my son is at my parents house and my husband has the baby because it's the weekend um but yeah a lot of the time he'll be at daycare and then my mum will help look after the baby if I need to do something and it's just this whole new experience I've never had before I'm like wow I can get so much done before it was just I had this very clingy baby I couldn't do anything ever I I couldn't even shower a lot of the time so I feel for people that are going through that right now because it's yeah it's it's definitely different leaving them with a with a grandparent I think too because Mm. you know you're giving them special one-on-one time so you don't feel kind of guilty whereas if you ask a friend or something you feel like you kind of owe them a bit yeah totally totally because they almost like beg you to see the kids. Um, yeah. Grandparents. <laughs> Transitioning into motherhood itself, a lot of people talk about it as matrescence. How was that for you, that process? Did you feel a shift within yourself? Did you feel same, the same as you always had? What was it like? It's kind of hard to reflect on that now, having gone through it three times, I think. <laughs> uh, I can't really remember how I felt at that. I don't think I felt like a real divide and I've kind of done a bit more reading on it since. I think I found the transition to mothering two and particularly I think my hardest transition was to have three. Yeah. Um, I really am more 
kind of acutely aware of that split and that change in yourself that you're not like I'm definitely not the same person I was when I was mothering two Mm. and pregnant or or even mothering two and not pregnant to mothering three I feel like you kind of start a whole new person kind of in a way Mm. it maybe sounds a bit too much but it kind of I know um I interviewed Amy Taylor Cabas recently and she talked about how you split and then you reform and I kind of yeah really resonated with me yeah I definitely felt the difference between having one although I guess like I was saying before my first baby was very difficult he was a colicky baby as they say um a clingy baby he didn't sleep so I think that mental shift was very difficult but yeah the second time it's even more like you say you just it's a whole new I can't imagine having three that's just I uh, yeah it blows my mind <laughs> I love to tell people two is a very sensible number <laughs> yeah 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 one for each parent <laughs> yeah <laughs> if there's two parents obviously the first postpartum period was really amazing for you what about the second and especially the third yeah the second one um I found a lot easier just because I had more confidence in myself Aside from the first kind of maybe two weeks of breastfeeding with my first, like I found that challenging, like most people, but then we found our groove and I fed him until sort of about 16 or 17 months. And um, so I think second time around, I found breastfeeding quite easy and I think I was less anxious. Like I was not that I'd leave them to cry for ages, but I'd be like, I know that you're fine if I put you in the bassinet and if you grizzle or cry a bit for five minutes, I'm still going to have a shower because we'll both be better off if I do that. Um, Things like that. So yeah, and just trusting your instinct more, even though I sort of had two and I wasn't living at home with all that extra support. I, yeah, I think I just felt more confident in general. Mm. Um, And third, yeah, I think I just found that logistically, and I still do, um, logistically just really challenging, just three personalities and three lots of needs. And there's just, for a long time, it just felt like there was always somebody crying, like somebody's needs weren't being met. And then you kind of feel guilty about that. So just kind of prioritizing who you go to first and which is kind of what you learn quite quickly in two. I'm sure you're navigating now. It's like, who shall I go to first? Yeah, um, yeah and that just kind of, yeah, it just felt exponentially harder for some reason. I know a lot of people said say that they found that the change from one to two hard, harder than three and three just slots in. But I, for some reason, I just found three really, really hard. Three needs, <laughs> plus your partner and yourself. It's already, I'm finding that and I don't have two eating yet. Like I think about having to make dinner every night just for one extra human who's very picky at the moment. Just, it's the most stressful part of my day, I think. Like, because oh, no, there's so, so much you know, thought that goes into it. And then you finally make something that he can eat and he'll just throw the whole thing on the ground. So I can't imagine having three to try and think of it's full on. So thinking back to work, Sophie, did you feel Mm. the urge to work at all during each of your postpartum periods? Is that something that you thought about or did you just wait until the baby was ready and you were ready to go back um I think with um do you mean with my first or in general with your first but also with the other two I suppose you were podcasting then so it was a very different experience yeah yep I went back to work with um after Louis when Louis was about nine months I think and I worked for a while and then started the podcast and that became started earning income so I transitioned out of working part-time and then took on the podcast um I think I enjoy using my brain and and needed that kind of space um yeah yeah, and I definitely really crave it now just space quiet and um yeah to work on something for me and have just kind of adult thinking time 
Mm. Um, but it, yeah, I love motherhood, but I don't think I could ever be um, a full-time mum without work. That just wouldn't suit me. It's so interesting what you just said, um, using your brain, because it's so such a basic way of putting it, but that is actually what it is. That's uh, You've made me realise that that is what I've been wanting. <laughs> I've been going about it this whole sort of, I don't know, fluffy way of like, what is it that I want? And that is it. It's just space to use my brain to think and to be creative and to something separate from that. Um, I guess with mothering, you're always doing things with your hands for people and your body. And yeah, it's just going back to the brain, isn't it? Did you have mums to talk to during your postpartum period, especially after your first, um, that sort of it wasn't just surface talk it was more um I don't know you were able to really divulge how you were feeling and yeah I didn't connect with my mother's group there were they were lovely women but I just kind of I felt like I couldn't be bothered making the effort to make new friends as well as learn mothering and I I feel like I'm in the minority there I feel like you always hear about women oh we met in mother's group and we've been friends for 30 years or whatever um and I kind of think oh did I botch that up like maybe I should have tried harder but when it came to like really yeah (laughs) when it came to like have people to your home I was like oh god I'm not like cleaning and entertaining people I don't know very well like that just feels like another level of challenge for me yeah so I just politely sent an email saying that um I wouldn't be that was yeah I can't remember what I said now anyway I ditched it um but I do have a lot of girlfriends that have got kids so I I did have that support and I have I've got a really close girlfriend who I'm going for a walk a lockdown walk with soon and um yeah, I could just ring her crying like I rang her one time. I'd taken Nico. He must have only been a few weeks old. I'd taken him out of the bath and he was happy in the bath, but then he just would not stop screaming when I took him out. And I rang her and I was like, he won't stop screaming like there's something seriously wrong with him. I don't. She's like, just dress him, put him in the car, come to my house, I'll make you lunch. And, yeah. and then well, by the time I got there, he'd fallen asleep in the car and everything <laughs> was fine. But I could be completely honest with her and vulnerable. And um, so I had a few friends like that that I could really open up to so I think that's amazing really important that's the other thing I wonder if it's a personality thing because I felt exactly the same I really wanted I thought I really wanted a mother's group because I wanted to have people to talk to and as soon as I got there I felt like it's not easy for me to uh, make friends like I, I find it a real struggle to get deep with people very quickly um and so yeah, I, I went once and my baby was crying the whole time and none of the other babies were really crying and I felt that really stressful yeah. and I didn't send an email. I, I feel kind of guilty now that you say that. I didn't say anything. I just <laughs> never went again. I just felt so disconnected from it. Um, but again, I had also had friends that I could talk to like that. So I guess it's really helpful for some people that don't have that. Um, but also trying to get to that level with someone new, it takes quite a while like to be able to cry on the phone to someone about your baby, if you don't know them very well, it would be quite stressful for them to hear that. So I guess that's another reason why it's so um, difficult. The other thing I wanted to ask you was about the podcast. And obviously you mentioned it happened after your first. So do you want to talk to me about the process of beginning that podcast? Yeah. So I started that after I'd had my second birth because my first oh. birth was, yeah, was always traumatic for me. But now that I've listened to so many birth stories, it's it wasn't. Yeah, I guess it's yeah. all relative, isn't it? It wasn't yeah. what I thought it would be. Um, and then I had my second birth after lots and lots of research and listening to heaps of American 
birth story podcasts when uh, there's a lot more available now but at the time there weren't really any Australian ones that were kind of general and just had a real mixed bag of experience mm. um and I've always loved podcasts so a friend of mine at the Cancer Council was like you should just start your own and you know imagine if one day you could do that for a job and we laughed and, I, and she's like one day people will be sending you prams and you'll be promoting things <laughs> and so now when anything happens I text her and say you'll never guess it's very yeah, funny yeah. um but yeah, I, so, well, initially I thought, well, I'll record mine. And then I did my sister. I think the first 10 are just like close friends of mine. And, um, and I kind of scrambled to get them together. I was like, you've got to be consistent with podcasts. So I quickly try and hassle a friend into doing it for me, um, which is kind of ironic because now I'm just turning people away who want to share their story because i got too many applications. So yeah, um, yeah. it's a nice problem to have, but um, <laughs> Yeah, I can't quite remember exactly. I think at sort of episode 20 or something, I did, I sort of deliberately sought out a few people that were um, more famous on Instagram because I thought, well, they'll share the show and then I'll grow, I'll kind of grow organically in that way. And that's kind of how it started in the beginning. And then, yeah, and it took off from there. And then, um, yeah, and now it's had nearly five and a half million downloads so that is so wild (laughs) congratulations that is amazing Um, thank you you obviously have a business brain because it is a huge process to produce a podcast and make a podcast and edit a podcast and find people and do all of that so yeah it's obviously been a huge job for you how soon did it turn from a hobby to a job yeah I'm probably about a year I think um I felt like I don't think my numbers were even that strong now. I can't, I should dig out some old media kits. I've got no business background at all. So I've, yeah, all my studies been health science and I did international relations as well, which doesn't really help in this field. But um, it's, um, yeah, I started just cold emailing brands that I liked and um, which is quite nice because it was about four or five years ago. And I said, oh, for $80, do you want to just put a 60 second ad at the start of my show? Um and give it a whirl and they and they did so some of the brands that now still work with me and pay a lot more than that and and they've stuck with me so it's really nice so I just sort of took a punt and um, I thought oh well I'll just email and if they don't write back they don't write back so I started to fill those ad spaces and I got to a point where I was earning the same amount on my ad podcast ads as I was working part-time so Mm. it felt like a sensible transition then and it at that time I was taking so uh, I think, yeah, my mum was probably minding two of the boys maybe then um, when I went into work, but it was kind of a 45 minute train commute into the city. And then yeah. um, it was a long day and it was hard for everyone. It's, I felt like I was really putting out my parents and um, yeah, and it was for not fabulous money because it was working part time. So it was really great when I was able to make that transition. And then I've just kind of upskilled along the way, listening to a lot of business podcasts and yeah, and I've just kind of taught myself the business side of things. And then as the Instagram account kind of grew, I was able to monetize that. So it's all just kind of slowly ticked along. Mm, it's amazing. It's so nice to see something that has gone from such an honest, um, simple idea and turned into a business that you can do alongside mothering. It's really the perfect sort of combo to be a mum and do that kind of job on the side, isn't it? Did you find a sense of fulfillment from it as well? Is it something that, I mean, I get that from this podcast. So I wonder if you get that from yours as well, where each time you have a conversation, you feel like, I don't know, it just gives you that kind of, not a high, but do you know what I mean? Like you just feel like fulfilled from that. That's sort of why I'm continuing on with this because I enjoy it so much. Yeah. Well, it's a very intimate connection you have with someone. You kind of suddenly 
go right into the most personal parts <laughs> of somebody's life and yeah, they yeah, just yeah. share it all. And then it's kind of awkward saying goodbye at the end of my interviews as well. I'm like, oh, thanks for just sharing your whole heart <laughs> and have a lovely day. Yeah. <laughs> Send me some pictures. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, it's funny. Um, almost feel like they need a debrief interview the next day to just talk about how they felt by opening up in that way. Yeah. Um, yeah, it definitely gives me energy and I just still love recording them every time. Sometimes I'll be honest, I sort of think, oh God, I've got to do an interview at 10 and then I tell the whole family I'm going out to do an interview, but then I come back in all like charged up. So oh, I feel but I think what it's funny, isn't it? Mm. But I think I I really sort of live off the comments of people saying, Oh, I've listened to every episode and I just had the most amazing birth and like you can't kind of quantify that. Mm that sort of yeah it's it's impossible to kind of get your head around the fact that you've helped somebody on the other side of Australia have a better birth experience and so that's really what motivates me to keep doing it totally that's an amazing feeling I mean even just someone saying they got something out of the podcast and all they're doing with mine is listening to it and feeling a connection to be able to birth a baby better that's amazing that's such a cool thing to be able to hear from somebody the big question that I love to ask people, how much has motherhood impacted your identity and has that changed through each um, each new birth or has it sort of stayed consistent since the first? I think probably my biggest shift would have been um, between, yeah, when I had my second, I think it, it sort of, you just really have to carve out time it all just sort of feels a bit cliche like self-care and all that jazz, but um, <laughs> just you have to make time for yourself and try and remember who you are because you just get lost in the chaos and I think sometimes I feel like oh it feels selfish to want to just sit down and watch Netflix right now but now I'm trying to reframe that I just sort of think I need 15 minutes to think about something completely different and just do something for myself and then I'll come back being more present and available but it's now if I don't kind of do things like that or go for a walk by myself or something then I it just kind of snowballs and I think you have to sort of having the more children you have seems to just it, it's obviously harder to create that time but it's more and more valuable so yeah I'm not sure if I answered the question no then, you but did yeah <laughs> yeah um and what does the word mother actually mean to you when you think about it uh, just really warm and nurturing and a kind of loving approachable being I guess yeah I think that whole thing of them still wanting or as I said like Otty's not breastfeeding anymore but he still just feels such a connection to my body and just kind of being able to sit down and let them have all of you in every way it's kind of just cracking yourself open in that way all the time and being available which which is beautiful and exhausting <laughs> yeah totally it's a good it's a good way to place it it's such a dichotomy have you ever felt like you were finished having kids I didn't think I'd ever feel that I would be finished but now I can 110% say that I never will be having another child <laughs> I just think I couldn't I don't think I could physically go through another pregnancy I didn't have any like terrible I was lucky to not have HG or um, I didn't really have I don't think I had antenatal or postnatal depression as such so I didn't have things like that to contend with but I just think I'm I'm 40 now so I just think another pregnancy would be really taxing on my body and I've got a few different health issues like um, thyroid issues and things like that um, but I just feel like I couldn't manage the emotions and the needs of supporting another human 
because I think you just think of the baby but now as I as I've got kind of a seven-year-old you think oh you're trying to navigate what their strong suits are and should you encourage different sports or different you know and just all the logistics (laughs) of all of that and the personalities and things I just don't think I could raise a whole nother person. Mm. I see some I follow some I'm sure you do too Instagram mums and things with six kids and I they look like they're thriving and I just think how are they doing that six six people in your house I just it's so full-on they must be incredibly selfless to be able to manage all of that it's it's a lot yeah yeah um and so you've explained that you now have a lot more time or well you did when you first started the podcast had a lot more time than when you were commuting to the city for your job but how do you manage Australian birth stories now as a mother with three kids when obviously it's going so well, you've got the Instagram, you've got the podcast, you've probably got lots on the go 24-7. How do you actually manage your time throughout the day, throughout the week? Uh, not very effectively. <laughs> <laughs> um, I do, it's funny, even when you sent me through like emails and links to um, – to make our appointment for this I was like oh she's like really got that streamlined like with a calendar link and stuff <laughs> I literally just do all of mine is just old school and yep. I've got not enough templates in my life um but I often just um do a lot of interviews on the weekend when I know um John Oak and mind the kids but that's yeah. become it I've just kind of worn that out because then it just disrupts the day if we're wanting to go out if we're not in lockdown um yeah. and things like that and it changes the energy in the house coming in and out and um and I also kind of think oh I just I don't want to be working because now it is work it used to kind of be a fun hobby but now it's like a proper business and and because I've got a lot of people wanting to come on it feels like I can be a little bit more like I record on a Monday and here's your times and this is what your options are so I'm trying to um really structure it better in that way and in an ideal world I'd like to just do four interviews on a Monday once a month and then have time to just do the admin when it suits me because it's the recording that needing the quiet environment and things like that that's the challenge yeah I can kind of edit on the fly with earphones in and or do it late at night and record kind of ads when I can steal a minute but it's getting into the most the kind of yeah focused quiet relaxed time to do the interview that's the biggest challenge but I'm definitely working on that so yeah I'm trying to have more boundaries really I guess yeah it's such a learning process the only reason I know about the calendarly thing and streamlining all that is because I've been a freelancer since I was pretty much straight out of uni and I've been a photographer so I've had to have these things in place for my photo shoots and stuff so that was a big learning process before the podcast so it's just something that I realized was easier because I'm so bad at, as you know, we've had a few cancellations, both of us with this episode. And I felt like when I didn't have it all set up in a calendar, I was just losing my mind. Like, Oh no, there's an interview today. I didn't even realize. And I needed to have that structured. So yeah, it is, it is a lot more helpful for people whose brains are mush. (laughs) um, (laughs) Um, And so what advice would you give to other mums who are, hoping to start a business or in the process of starting a business alongside motherhood? I think because I'm finding it quite challenging at the moment, I'm not as positive about it. Like I definitely, there's definite perks of having flexibility and being able to work your own hours. And I love that I pick the kids up and take them to school every day. And um, yeah, so I'm there for them in that sense. And I don't, I see a lot of other mum friends of mine that have to kind of do after school and before school and they're juggling all the challenges of sudden work meetings and things and I just being your own boss just definitely has its perks there um but I think it's not 
nearly as easy as people kind of assume I think they're just like oh you just quickly whip that up and um, away you go but there's yeah there's so much work and then you're dealing with different companies and brands and yeah running different calendars and blocking things in and kind of yeah I've had I've, I've been pretty lucky to not have any kind of major legal challenges or anything like that but you have to cover yourself legally that people aren't going to take my advice and do something that's dangerous yeah, and things like yeah. that so there's lots of different things that you kind of don't think about when you just look at it at face value I guess so yeah 100%. It's, it's, it's it's worth it but it's challenging <laughs> yeah so just knowing that there's more to it than you may realize and that's I think mm. that was a huge lesson for me too with the podcasting I tried to start a podcast about something completely different before I had kids it must have been 2016 and I did I recorded I'm not going to talk about what it is just because I may end up doing it one day, who knows, but it's a completely different realm to parenting, birth and motherhood. And I, yep. I recorded episodes, I did interviews, I had this huge idea. I'm a very in the head person, I guess, like we were saying before with using your brain. So I've always got a million things going on. Um, and I really kind of wish I had have done it, but I realized after doing all that recording and, and planning that it was just a huge task to take on. So I never ended up turning it into anything. I just gave up and I didn't even have to parent at that time. I probably just went, oh, I'd rather be watching Netflix or whatever it was, but now actually doing it. Yeah. It, it's, it's a huge job and you really have to be passionate about what you want to do, right. To be able to actually do it yeah. alongside. And yeah. I think you don't make, I think many businesses don't make a profit for till mm. a couple of, couple of years in. And I think people just think that they'll kind of turn a profit straight away. But I, yeah, I didn't make kind of good money until probably two or three years in. And I mm. think that was a challenge with my husband as well, because he kind of saw it as a bit of a hobby until yeah. um, I make more money than him now. So I'm like, you have to make the time for my job. It's like <laughs> yeah. my job yeah, rather yeah. than he's like, you said you'll be an hour and you took an hour and a half when he's, he used to be quite unflexible with things like that. But now, now he sees it as a business as well. So yeah, yeah, there's lots of different kind of hurdles in that side, the side yeah. hustle of turning into a business. Yeah. So I'd like to know what success looks like to you personally now and if it's different from what it was before you became a mum. Yeah, I think. I think I'll enjoy um, the success of the business once I get that balance right. Now I feel like I'm kind of working and mumming all the time. And um, and when I'm playing with the kids, I'm thinking about business ideas, which I'm not sure if I'll ever be able to turn that down. But I feel mm. like if I have more fixed work time to kind of explore ideas, I won't feel like I'm having to kind of think about it and do it all the time. Yeah. Um, and I feel like I'll feel more successful and kind of reap the benefits of both if I have that structure yeah which I'm trying to work towards yeah but um I guess it's not necessarily about money I've probably made the most money I've ever made this year and it hasn't been hasn't changed my life like I've still I'm still changing nappies and doing all things and <laughs> yeah making bad lunches and um yeah. so yeah it's definitely not like monetary success although we're like trying to save for a house and things like that as well but um, I think if I was able to really feel completely present when I'm doing active play with the kids and know that my business stuff is on track on my work days, then I think I'll feel more successful there. But I know that working mums never really feel the balance, but I'll, yeah. I'll keep trying. <laughs> I stopped using that word because after a few interviews, someone said to me one day, I think it was Naomi actually, and Naomi Chrysalakis, we were talking about balance and she said, 
she hates the word balance and someone told her recently to call it something else. I can't remember what it was now, but it just hit me and I was like, wow, she's so right. I probably shouldn't be saying that to people because who has balance in their life as a mum? It's just kind of impossible really, isn't it? It's more like flow yeah, <laughs> up and down. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and my final question for you is what has motherhood given you? Oh, probably the greatest loves like to – just feel your heart expand with each baby and then day to day like I feel like sometimes you wake up and they have grown and they've changed so particularly my seven-year-old feels like he's going on 13 and we can really kind of see the kind of man that he might end up being and um so it's yeah it's such a joy and a privilege to be able to kind of give and receive that kind of love and watch people grow under you right under your nose every day so yeah 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 that's lovely Well, that is all we have time for. To anyone who's listening that hasn't listened to Sophie's podcast, Australian Birth Stories, definitely add it to your queue because it's incredible. And thank you again for coming on the show. It's been a pleasure to talk to you finally. Oh, thanks so much for having me.